Hello and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Hello and thank you for joining us at the table today for Series 12, Episode 4. Our storyteller episode is moms telling their stories about sending their autistic kiddos to school. Joining me at the table today is Jamie Ramos. Hello. Kim McIsaac. Hi. Rachel Flanagan. Hey, everybody. Tabitha Cabrera. Hello. And I'm Jennifer Dunn. We hope you enjoy these stories from these moms about their kiddos heading off to school. Jessica Garman Engel. Dear Zeke, as I watch you excitedly prepare for your first day of first grade, my mama heart sinks just a bit. You arrange your dinosaurs and other animals in their perfect lines as I talk to you about school beginning. I see your body tense as I explain I will drop you off in the mornings and Mama will pick you up in the afternoons. See, beautiful boy, you and I have been inseparable for the past five months. We have traveled from one end of the United States to the other in an RV. We have experienced so many firsts together while traveling. We both saw buffalo and fed wild donkeys for the first time. We also saw the mountains of Colorado and experienced our first Mardi Gras together. There's never been more than just a couple of hours the two of us have been apart. We have our own secret world and secret language between us. I know when you're hungry, overwhelmed, sleepy, or need a diaper by simply a look from you. I can feel your needs deep within my bones. I know you like no other. You and I don't need words to communicate with one another. We simply need a look between us. My beautiful boy, we have one full day left together before you head off to achieve more independence. I am excited for you, yet a little apprehensive. While I hope you learned while at school, it's not the only thing I hope for you this year. I hope you make a friend. I hope you are kind. I hope you are given grace. I hope someone twirls and spends with you as you giggle. I hope you don't sit alone at lunch. I hope the other children are kind to you. I hope others see your silliness and that beautiful grin. I hope you are safe. I hope you learn all about sharks and dinosaurs. I hope you try new foods. I hope you know how much I love and miss you. I hope you thrive. I hope you play with your peers. Mostly, I hope you know you are loved. Love, Mommy. At open house this evening, countless adults and even a handful of students stop to hug, high-five, or say, Hey, Zeke! Zeke and his friends aren't hidden in his school. They are the center point of inclusion and kindness. While Zeke and others need accommodations, they experience as much as their neurotypical peers. Field day, assemblies, and every special event is calculated so that Zeke is included. To send this vulnerable little boy off to first grade still isn't easier than four years ago sending him to his first day of preschool. He is taller now, and he is beginning to be able to communicate his wants and needs to others. While watching him disappear into the building while tightly holding the hand of his teacher is difficult for me, this is exactly the place that helps him grow. His school is something special, and I will forever be grateful that he has the opportunity to be a part of this place. Tonight, I'll so come in just a little bit longer. I'll watch as his body relaxes from a day of nonstop motion. His breathing becomes even, and his hair slightly blows back and forth from the wind of the fan. His constant babble is replaced with silence as I so come in just a few more minutes. 
His body and his mind rest and relax for the first time all day. Tomorrow we will spend our last day of summer packed full with some of his favorite things. However, tonight I will take everything beautiful that he is. Jessica is a wife, mom, and writer. She spends her free time traveling as much as possible and swimming with her family. Her blog, The Kid That Could, is a passion to spread awareness and acceptance for her son. Follow her family's journey on Facebook and Instagram as at the kid that could. Claire Garley. School. If you look it up in the dictionary, Merriam-Webster defines it as an organization that provides instruction, such as an institution for the teaching of children. You hear the word school and an image is conjured, but that image is unique to each of us. We all hold our own interpretation of what school is or means. Some see the picture of a bright red apple, a stack of books and the ABCs. Some see friends and laughter. Some see more arbitrary lessons, perhaps even struggles. Some see challenges. Some see inaccessibility. It seems like such a rite of passage, whether it's preschool, kindergarten, or grade level entry, kids wake up and go to school. Perhaps it is society's perspective that leads us to that conclusion of norm. Maybe you have no alternative as you work long hours to make ends meet. In my personal experience, school is a way of life. I got up, ate breakfast, got dressed in my uniform, and went to be educated. I did this until I was 23 years old, when I graduated with a degree in early childhood education. Along the way, I added in responsibilities. I worked to fund my social life and pay rent, and maintained friendships and relationships. But underlying, a significant portion of my life was devoted to education, being educated. My journey has given me many perspectives and opportunities to reflect, honing my own educational beliefs and values. I am now the mother of two girls. As I began my adventure into motherhood, I intended for them to follow a similar educational path, spend their younger years being loved on at home, joining playgroups, meeting others, spending carefree days in the park, and one day, Moving on to school, I would support their education from home and watch them blossom. In essence, I was naive. Despite my time in the school system, both as a learner and an educator, I'd been swallowed up by this notion of social norm. Allow me to give you some background on my girls. My firstborn, Ella, is a natural academic, a precocious talker. She spoke in sentences before she could walk. She read fluently by the age of three. She has a natural curiosity, a thirst for knowledge. I thought school would be the perfect fit for her, a place where she would access resources and be supported. We encountered challenges at the preschool stage. She was constantly sick. Hospitalization, knocked down for a month from a simple virus kind of sick. To me, preschool is less about academics, more about social interaction and exposure. I thought that frequent absences were to blame for her lack of engagement with peers. She displayed intense anxiety at drop-off, often pulling chunks of my hair as she held on to me, tears falling from her plump cheeks. I was always reassured that she settled within 15 minutes, something I now know to be masking. Girls are incredibly adept at this. By the time she entered kindergarten, her social challenges were becoming more apparent. Frustration built, confusion that less well-behaved kids got more attention, fury that her work was too easy, difficulty asserting herself, anxiety, shyness, and eventually withdrawal. We were on the cusp of considering homeschool when the pandemic hit. Honestly, it was a blessing in disguise. Ella was diagnosed with adrenal insufficiency and autism, a combination that makes school a challenge for her. She would miss lessons due to illness, be unable to focus or engage due to anxiety and social pressures. Chunks of her learning were missing, and a class can't slow down for one individual. We chose to homeschool, and we haven't looked back. 
But before I move on with the transition to how school looks for us today, allow me to share how my youngest, Olivia, fits into this story. Olivia was born a few weeks early, just after Ella had turned two. By four months old, we'd begun physical therapy due to severe hypotonia and hypermobility. Olivia fought diligently and continues to do so for every movement her body makes, from head control to sitting, walking to eating. At one year old, still unable to crawl, it became evident that Olivia had sensory processing disorder. She didn't babble, she rarely engaged. We were thrust into a different world, the world of global development delays. That means my precious girl was delayed in all areas of measurable growth. And again, naively, I followed the norms. I googled symptoms and therapies. I placed her on wait lists. I listened to all the advice her specialists gave and implemented everything we were encouraged to at home. I sat by her as she cried in clinics. I pleaded for guidance. By the time she was two and a half, Olivia was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. We moved closer to the DFW Metroplex in Texas, thinking we would have better options for the girl's future. As Olivia graduated out of early childhood intervention at three years old, our then school district refused to qualify her for services. We were advised to put our developmentally delayed, not yet potty trained, autistic child into a standard preschool. After Ella's experience, it was a hard no. The seed to homeschool Olivia was sown. Little did I know, in 12 months, I would have both of them at home with me. Homeschool does not mean school at home. We have flexibility to meet the girls' needs. We began a spell of de-schooling. There was no pressure to wake up and get to a desk at a specific time. In fact, there was no desk involved. We took walks in the woods. We splashed in puddles. We counted rocks and read books as we nestled in blankets and pillows. For months, this was school. Together, we cultivated a routine. We balanced therapeutic interventions Ella's spells of illness and academic goals, and we did so in a way that minimized distress and discomfort. Fast forward a few years, and we have our rhythm, a rhythm that affords me a close connection with my autistic daughters. We take it slow. We use this opportunity to learn life skills. Academics are completed according to the ability and stage of each child, without the pressure of a large class. Breaks are taken when necessary. You see, school isn't four walls. School is our world. Everything we do, everything we touch, Everything is school. There is no timer on achievement. I have learned this the hard way. My girls are autistic. They aren't going to follow an expected timeline of development and they aren't going to respond to typical educational standards. But believe me, they achieve. There's no back to school buzz in our home. Occasionally, that stings. Then I remember how fortunate we are. We know the joy of a real life education. We know the joy of development. We know the joy of our own time. We know the joy in learning because it's all around us, in everything, because my girls are my everything. Claire, raised in Scotland and now based in Texas, is the mother of two wonderful girls. She candidly shares their adventures in home education, autism, and chronic illness through her Garly Girls social media spaces. She is a passionate advocate and proud to share how her family navigates life, learning, experiencing, and growing together. Join her as she discusses their adventures. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram at Garly Girls. Laura Simzik. Olivia started developmental preschool on her third birthday. I held her tiny little hand in mine and waited for the bus to pull up. The door opened and I knelt down, gave her a huge hug and kiss, helped her up the big steps, and put those tiny baby hands into the hands of a woman I had only met one time. 
I said to the woman, take good care of her and please be patient. She has a hard time sometimes and she doesn't talk. The woman smiled and said, she'll be fine, mommy. And I thought to myself, will she really? As the doors closed, I could feel my lips start to quiver as my eyes filled with tears and I actually thought my knees would buckle beneath me. And the bus started to roll away. I just handed my three-year-old, nonverbal, highly sensitive autistic baby off to school with strangers. She would have zero words to tell me anything about it and I felt sick inside. It took every bit of energy I had not to go after that bus and take her off and back home with me. Every scenario played in my brain that day, both good and bad. And I had to trust and rely on her school team and my own instincts and insistence on communication to keep her safe. It was not an easy start by any means, but we had a good team and communication was the key to it all. Fast forward 10 years. Olivia is now 13 years old and in junior high. She's considered semi-verbal, meaning she can state once, answer yes and no questions with about 80% accuracy, and she has found a way to use videos or sometimes repeating things she has heard other people say during the day as a way to sometimes communicate her experiences to me. However, I still can't have a conversation with her about her day, and that makes her vulnerable and me very uneasy. She is still highly sensitive, getting dysregulated without warning but she has found more ways to regulate herself and has much more effective coping skills. Therefore, she tends to rally quicker. She still has behaviors that result in self-harm or lashing out at others. That is usually during a time she's in some sort of physical pain or when her anxiety comes out of the shadows to grab a hold of her when we least expect it. Some years she has had the same teacher for a few years in a row and it made it a little bit easier because they knew her and we had a plan in place for everything. The year she has had a new teacher or para, or sometimes both, that means I have to try to convey all of the things about my child in one email or letter, which seems impossible. I also have to prep Olivia for the fact that it will be a new teacher or para, sometimes a new classroom or even a new school. And the cycle of making this new team understand my beautiful yet very complex girl starts all over again. As I stated earlier, I insist on communication. Most teachers are good with it, especially after getting to know Olivia and how she can be quite layered with all of the things sensory, anxiety, stubbornness, intelligence, and charm. There was one year, though, the teacher was resentful and not at all interested in communicating with me. Unless, of course, it was to complain about how difficult she is. I had tried to give her all the insight and tools I had to help, and she just seemed exasperated by the whole thing. Needless to say, it was not a good year. All the other years, I had a good rapport with her team, and Olivia has made some pretty huge gains as a result of it. Last year, her teacher told me one of my emails had really influenced him. It was after the first week of school, and I hadn't heard anything from him about Olivia's week. So when I emailed to inquire about her week, I told him I couldn't have a conversation with her about her day like most people get to have. His communication with me is the only way I can connect with her in some way about her day. He said that really got to him as he had never thought of it in that way. He teared up when he said it and he thanked me. He also said the staff that knew me spoke very highly of me and my willingness to work with everyone, which in turn made me tear up because I know I'm a lot. I am the mom that sends an email every morning so they know how my kids' day started. That way they're prepared if she needs to start her day with extra sensory input or if I had to give her ibuprofen that morning, I relay any sleep issues, or maybe she didn't eat breakfast that morning and she may be hungry. 
I also tell them if she had a great warning, just so they're prepared for when she gets there, and in return, I need them just to give me the good and the bad, something for me to try and connect with her about. I want to work on any struggles and celebrate her triumphs. My girl isn't the same as other kids, and we have to work together to help her have good days that will support her in reaching those goals we set every year. Back to school is hard for everyone. It is change, fear, and excitement all rolled into one. Now add communication barriers, sensory processing issues, and anxiety. But I believe if everyone works together to communicate the struggles and all the triumphs, it certainly makes it a lot easier for me to place her tiny little hands into yours so she can be the very best. This is Olivia's extraordinary journey, and I'm blessed to be the one by her side through it all. Laura, originally from Chicago, has been living in Arizona for over 35 years. She's been married to her husband, Mike, for 28 years, and they have three beautiful kids, Aubrey, 23, Michael, 17, and Olivia, 13. Olivia's unique needs require her to be a stay-at-home mom, and she is also a therapist, teacher, and full-time advocate for her. You can find her on Facebook and is currently in the process of starting a blog called Olivia's Extraordinary Journey, so be on the lookout for that. Cindy Decker. My sweet Liam, this year you will be a fifth grader. You are now also attending a new school for the first time since first grade. You and I have come a long way. I remember when you started kindergarten. We were such full of hope and excitement to see how much you would learn. You had already been to eight preschools. Much of them you had not settled into before they had asked us to move on to the next. Early on, we got out reports of you hitting and kicking, screaming, destruction of property, like other kids' artwork, and we had a new learning curve. The school told us that they were ready. Early in the year, you ran out of the classroom. Circle time was your hardest time of the day. Each day was a new complaint or learned behavior, and I spoke to your teacher multiple times a week. I remember going to school to have lunch with you one day. The aide you shared with five other children brought you into the lunchroom as I watched from afar. He sat you by yourself in the front of the cafeteria, next to the speakers for the intercom system. I walked over to eat with you, but towards the end of the lunch, you were screaming to go to class. I kept saying we had to wait for the teacher to dismiss us as the intercom squealed and squeaked and came to life and lead teacher announced that it was time to finish lunch, you turned around, you hit my arm, you ran out the door and down into the bathroom and sat in a corner as she was talking. Why hadn't anybody noticed this commotion before? A sweet five-year-old who ate lunch by himself in a room filled with children talking and laughing next to an intercom system that screeched loudly by your side. I immediately went to find the head psychologist for the school, knowing that she was in the building that day. They were the professionals. Why had they not seen it? You were there telling us all along. You needed a quieter setting, less kids, more individualized attention. First grade, you started a new program. It was a special needs program for behavior support services. I was confident this was it. This was gonna help you thrive. Within weeks, we saw more behaviors. You were skin picking, and now I could see that I was losing your sweet disposition. I immediately called a meeting with the head of the special needs department. We needed somebody at the top to help us out. We met with her within two weeks and told her your true personality. You're funny and silly. You love any sport with a ball and a scorecard. 
You had the best belly laugh, but your anxiety was growing and school needed to have a program that works for kids who think like you. A program that allows for sensory movement, strict routines, a small teacher to student ratio, the ability to grow and slowly integrate back into the general education population. You, my love, are not a behavior problem. You were communicating the best way you know how, and right now, that was with aggression. Five weeks later, in early October, you and five other boys were placed in a pilot program, a classroom with one teacher and two aides for the six boys on the autism spectrum who chose physical aggression as their communication of choice. The teacher was kind but strict. She could implement social stories to help with social situations on a daily basis. You thrived. You spent the remainder of first grade learning how to communicate with the words when you were frustrated. You used colors to tell us how you were feeling or what you were thinking. Blue was your calm, yellow was your anxious, and red was angry. The goal was to help you find coping mechanisms before you got to red. We had daily communications with the teacher and behavior specialist at school. Anything that was implemented at school, we reinforced at home. Your token systems, your points, your visual schedules, bedtime routines, and as the anxiety changed and reared its ugly head, we worked with a doctor to get you the right medication and the right dosages to help you thrive in school and at home. Any change in your routine would throw your entire day off. If the teacher was out, we had to know so that we could prep you before you went to school and had you ready for the AIDS. You are now headed to fifth grade. Last year, you had less than five aggressions in class and none of them lasted more than 60 seconds. Last year, you started to read and you were excited that you could read things on your tablet or read things that you saw on TV. You also were able to join the fourth grade class for lunch with two friends. You were so excited. Your favorite class was PE and Coach Young and music class where you learned to play the recorder. You walked around the house singing hot cross buns all day long. This year, you will go to a new school with a new teacher for the first time since first grade. You're excited to meet your teacher and to learn a new routine. I know you're nervous, but I also know we've come a long way. My biggest learning as your mom is that everything is in your time. We can't rush you. We can't tell you how to do it. We celebrate your little things big. And I can hear your deep belly laugh in the other room as I write this. I'm excited to see you grow and pray that in your time, you can transition into general education. But most importantly, I know that you will be in your every school transition very soon and you're gonna excel further than anyone in kindergarten ever gave you credit for. I know you're gonna be great. I can't wait to see how fifth grade runs for you. We love you. Cindy is a mom of three amazing boys, ages 20, 18, and 10. She is a full-time executive and loving wife. Her youngest son, Liam, is on the autism spectrum and has ADHD. He continues to grow and learn every day. She shares her journey through autism on at Autism With Your Shirt Off, on Facebook and Instagram. Erin Cranston. A back-to-school letter to my girls. Dear Courtney, this week you are back to school. Third grade. I can't believe it. Where has the time gone? Wasn't it only yesterday that you were in preschool? I will never forget when you started preschool several years back. I was so nervous. How would you react to school? Would the teachers know how to meet your needs? Would the teachers keep you safe? Would you make friends? Of course, you quickly showed me I had nothing to worry about. 
Now here you are going into third grade and you have done nothing but prove to us you can handle any challenge, which there have been several thrown your way. For a little girl who needs consistency, you've shown us you can still persevere when the consistency isn't there. You have gone through so many changes over the years, four teacher changes, two different schools, four changes in principles, changes in a district philosophy that put you in a blended preschool, a new program, and let's not forget COVID. Yes, you rocked each of those obstacles. Oh, Courtney, but wait, things are changing up on you again this year. When you go to school this week, you will be greeted by another new principal, a new assistant principal, and another new teacher. But don't you worry, Daddy and I have spoken up. We made sure that they knew that though you have shown you can get through changes, it is time to make sure you start getting some consistency. We also made sure all these new people knew everything about you before you walked through those doors this week. We told them about your headphones, we told them about your struggles with bathrooms and water. We told them about your love for animals and books. We shared with them that sometimes your fingers forget they aren't for pitching. Your mouth is not for biting others and your nails are not for scratching. We told them about your adorable giggle, but also let them know to watch out for those pinching fingers as they enjoy the giggles. Most importantly, we told them that you are a smart and beautiful girl that it's hard not to fall in love with the moment you meet her. Oh, Courtney, things may be different when you walk through those doors this week, but one thing has remained consistent. Your daddy and I are behind you all the way, cheering you on and loving you with all our heart. Dear Alyssa, do you remember when kindergarten ended and you cried for three days because you will no longer have that teacher? When daddy and I told you recently that your kindergarten teacher was now teaching first grade and you would have her, I could hear you suddenly become anxiety-free about starting first grade. Guess what? I had anxiety, too, about you starting first grade, and that disappeared when I heard who your teacher was, too. You are such an incredible, smart, brave, and beautiful little girl. I know last year was tough at times as your anxiety took over for a while. You powered through it like a champ. Don't worry. I will still make sure you get all the support you need to make this a successful year, too. Though your worries may be big, your smile and love for life is bigger. I also want you to know, Daddy, and I think you are an amazing sister. I'm sure it is not easy having to play the big sister role when you are the little sister. I know it is not an easy job, but no one else is as perfect for her as you. So to my first grader, keep loving life, working hard, and most of all, keep being you. I love you to the moon and back. So girls, have a fantastic year. I love you, Mommy. Erin has been teaching preschoolers with autism for 20 years. Now at the age of 45, she is working towards becoming a BCBA. She has two beautiful girls. Courtney, who is almost nine, has autism and uses a talker to communicate. Alyssa is six and a half. She has life-threatening food allergies, anxiety, and sensory processing disorder. Their life is nonstop and every day is an adventure. Check them out on Facebook as Autism Parent A Little Wild or Instagram, Autism Mom, a little wild. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for having a seat at the table, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at the table for this episode of the Table for Five No Reservations podcast. 
Join us next Monday for more. And while you wait, make sure to check out our content on Facebook and Instagram. If you are enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe and rate and review us wherever you listen. To contact us, you can email us at tableforfivepodcasts at gmail.com. We can't wait to sit with you again. See you next time.